0: What up, what up? This is Hot Take Season, where these hot takes are rated E for everybody. I'm your host, Mia Me. Want your hot take featured on the show? Submit those to either of my social media platforms. I can be found at, at Hot Take Season on Twitter, at its underscore Hot Take Season on Instagram, and of course, YouTube Hot Take Season. I want this show to be very interactive for us fans and or couch coaches, as some people like to call us who have valuable opinions on sports, and just not the public platform to share those opinions outside of social media. So, topics will be given out prior to episode releases. I'll be asking questions here and there on Twitter, so make sure you respond to those. Please make sure you like, comment, subscribe, and share. Now that that's out of the way, let's get into our first topic or hot take of the day. And if you know me, then you know we're talking about them boys. Sports reporter Ed Werder announced Thursday evening that the Cowboys have decided to part ways with coach Jason Garrett after nine full seasons with the Cowboys. The Cowboys officially announced that they were parting ways with Garrett on Sunday evening. Now, it's been no secret that the past decade has been nothing shy of a roller coaster ride with this team. So let's just do a season record recap from the decade for those of you who may not remember. Garrett took over in the middle of the 2010 season and the team finished 6-10. In 2011, they went 8-8 and they also went 8-8 in 2012 and 2013. 2014, they went 12-4. They won the division. They won the wildcard matchup against the Lions which ended in a pass interference discrepancy and then they went on to lose the divisional to the Packers. In 2015, they finished 4-12. 2016, they went 13-3, and won the division, had a bye week for the first round of playoffs, and then they lost the divisional to the Packers again, in which the infamous Death catch did happen. Now, while we're on the subject, let me just add that that game should not have came down to that moment at all. If you're a Cowboys fan, you still hold the right to be upset at DeMarco Murray, who fumbled the ball with nothing but green open field in front of him, which would have led to a touchdown and essentially would have helped the Cowboys take over that game. Now, 2017, 9-7. 2018, they finished 10-6, won the division, won the wild card versus the Seahawks, and then they lost in the divisional to the Rams. I have no idea what Cowboys team was on the field that year, but nobody wanted to show up not offensively or defensively. 2019 the team finished 8-8. and Now that's just two playoff wins in that 10 year span under Jason Garrett's leadership. They started off hot this year but that would soon only seem to be because the rest of the NFC East was just flat out weaker. The team went 1-6 in one score games in 2019 And that, my friends, is not a good stat that you want to have as the head coach of America's team. In Garrett's full nine years as head coach, because remember he took over in 2010 from Wade Phillips, he has an 85-86 record. Garrett is the second longest-tenured coach in franchise history behind the late, great Tom Landry. There is a lot of blame to be placed everywhere within the organization, But Garrett has to take the fall for a lot of it. I mean, in 2019 alone, he was outcoached more times than not. The NFC East was wide open for the taking, but Dallas and Philadelphia merely played hot potato with the division title, and Dallas dropped the ball yet again. No pun intended. Alright, maybe pun intended. They dropped so many passes this year. But anyway... Many names were being tossed around as to who would be a good fit for the job and I'm not here to argue those opinions because honestly, a head coach is only going to be able to do so much so long as he's handcuffed by Jerry and co. And yes, Garrett could have done more with the talent he was blessed to coach. Getting the team over the hump is going to take a coach with some serious guts. Now y'all can take that how y'all want. I'm not opposed to a head coach and change. Change can be a good thing. But as stated before, when dealing with this organization, a head coach only has so much power. It's no secret various ex-players have spoken out on it publicly, the likes of Cole Beasley and Des Bryant and even Terrell Owens. Now, you might be saying, well, they're ex-players, so can we really trust what they're saying? I just want to let you know everybody ain't lying. Some, it's some truth there somewhere. Now, I'm not sure whose decision it was to bring back tight end Jason Witten. And I love me some Jason Witten. But there are obviously too many yes men in the room and not enough no men. Jason can catch the ball and he's only going to go where he caught the ball at. There's, There's no extra yardage after contact. Sorry, that's just what this season has showed us. And I can't say that I believe Jerry... Or Jason had the business before friendship thought process in mind when they decided to start Witten over Blake Jarwin. Now, I understand that when a new head coach is placed on a team, he usually brings in his own staff. And that's fine and dandy. But for the Cowboys right now, if you lose out on running back coach Jerry Brown or quarterback coach John Kitna, You just might regret it in the long run. Dak's game has truly elevated under Kitna and Gary Brown has done a phenomenal job with the running backs. So we'll hang around and see what exactly happens on that tip. Former Packers head coach Mike McCarthy's name was being thrown around as a good candidate for the job and then eventually we learned that the Cowboys had been in talks with him since October. As of Monday, they officially announced him as the new head coach of the team after signing a five-year agreement. McCarthy is bringing in Saints linebacker coach Mike Nolan to be his defensive coordinator. Now, I was originally open to the thought of McCarthy winning the position. McCarthy has a Super Bowl ring and a winning, winning record. The only thing that scares me is his ability to deviate from the run game. With a running back like Ezekiel Elliott, that's something you certainly do not wish to see happen. McCarthy was willing to keep Kellen Moore as offensive coordinator. And on Tuesday, Kellen decided to stay with the team. He was offered another position at the University of Washington to be their offensive coordinator. But Kellen quickly turned that down to remain with the Cowboys. Now, if you've watched this past season, Kellen has seemed to be an upgrade from the Cowboys' former offensive coordinator, Scott Linehan, in just one season. The ball was in Kellen's court, and he's choosing to stay with the Cowboys under the new leadership of Mike McCarthy. And McCarthy is wasting no time picking his coaching staff. Um, Cowboys fans may be excited to hear that Keith O'Quinn is out the door, and McCarthy has brought in L.A. Rams special teams coordinator, John Bones sale. Now let's make something else clear because Marvin Lewis's name came up as a candidate for the coaching job. And some Cowboys fans chose to panic for whatever reason. I don't know how y'all didn't see that this was nothing shy of the Rooney Rule. Now if you don't know what the Rooney Rule is, let me kind of summarize that for you. It's basically an NFL policy in which teams are required to interview ethnic minority candidates for head coaching and senior football operations jobs. Lewis's resume does not even come close to McCarthy's, so y'all could have just threw that information out the window when you first got it. Other names like Lincoln Riley of OU and Urban Meyer were being thrown around, both of which are good uh, head coaches and will bring a younger dynamic to the organization as opposed to McCarthy. Time will tell whether or not Jerry chose the right candidate or if he moved too quickly. All right, so here's some hot takes from some fans. One fan who is choosing to remain anonymous says, Garrett was fired five years too late. The Cowboys have everything they need except discipline and creativity. My choice would be trade picks and cash for Sean Payton. But in reality, I think McCarthy is the surest bang for your buck at head coach. If not him, I see Jerry listening to Switzer and bringing in a younger Clapper, a.k.a. Lincoln Riley. Tyson over at Tyson Talks on YouTube isn't too thrilled with McCarthy as head coach right now. He believes McCarthy's Super Bowl win is merely thanks to Aaron Rodgers. He thinks McCarthy underachieved with Rodgers and will likely do the same with Dak. Tyson feels McCarthy will also have a good handle on egos with players. But just how much he can do offensively is what worries him. Now, I can say I agree with the ego's comment. I feel that McCarthy will have a good handle on players' egos. I feel like he'll have a good handle on players in general. As sometimes life away from the field can carry weight onto the field. And so I don't see that being an issue with Mike McCarthy as head coach. Now, the anonymous listener mentioned Sean Payton as being a good option for... head coaching position, which I can understand. He is one of the three coaches to have a better win percentage than McCarthy. The other two being um, Bill Belichick and Mike Tomlin. And while Peyton's win column looks nice, he cannot seem to get back over the hump. I don't usually like to jump the gun on these things and say whether or not that would have been a bad move or not, unless I without a doubt know that that would be a bad move. So with McCarthy, I remain optimistic. If it were Lewis who had got the job, you'd be hearing me saying how horrible things are going to turn out. So we'll see what this front office has up their sleeves. Um, I just know making it to the divisional round is not enough. You're the world's wealthiest sports organization. That's not enough. Something's got to give. The Cowboys have not made back-to-back playoff appearances since 98 and 99 with Chan Gailey as the head coach but while we're on the topic of nfl playoffs that brings me to hot take number two the nfl playoffs are underway and wild card weekend has just wrapped up on saturday so we'll get into what my predictions were and then we'll get into what some listeners thought the first game was the bills versus the texans i picked the bills in an upset and honestly the bills had the game won and literally gave it away In the fourth quarter, the Texans went on to score 19 unanswered points. They sent the game into overtime. The Bills lost by a field goal, unfortunately. And that's just how that went. Um, The Titans versus the Patriots. Many people on Twitter thought that this would be a close matchup, and they gave the edge to the Patriots. Well, because it's the Patriots. But, however... Doc Gordon on Twitter called a Titans win as he says Henry looked great the week before against the Texans and Brady has been looking shaky this season. I have to admit, I was one of those people who picked the Patriots to win this matchup. Don't get me wrong, I understand that Brady is aging and I agree, he has not looked the same this season. But what I did not see coming was him throwing a pick six to end their season to the Titans of of all people. People have been raving about the Patriots' defense all season, and again, Brady has not been himself, but I didn't see the Titans led by Ryan Tannehill as pulling off that kind of upset. Derrick Henry had 128 yards and a touchdown in the first half. Tannehill's stats were pretty bad. He went with 8 completions on 15 attempts for 72 yards, 1 touchdown, 1 interception, And a QB rating of 38.8. There is no way you could have told me that those stats beat Bill Belichick's Patriots in the year 2020. So as of now, balance has been restored to the NFL. We'll see how long that lasts. The Vikings and Saints had a rematch from last year's controversy. And yes, this year was another little controversy in itself. Saints fans are yet again upset with referees over a possible pass interference call. So let me break it down for you. Last play of the game in case you missed it. Vikings tight end Travis Rudolph runs a fade route. There was a little fight for the ball, but I don't think it was enough to call defensive or offensive pass interference. Even if the refs were to review it, I don't see them overturning that call. Bottom line is the Saints had many chances to take over that game And they just didn't. I picked the Saints to win this game, thinking they were going to play playoff football, but I guess not. The last game from Wildcard Weekend was the Seahawks versus the Eagles. I had the Seahawks winning this game. I felt the score would have been higher versus a banged-up Philly team who stumbled into the playoffs in the first place. The only thing to really take from this game is that it might be time to put the injury-prone label on Carson Wentz. Philly fans may still be upset at the hit he took from Jadavian Clowney. However, quarterbacks are taught to slide, not fall the way that Wentz did. If he slides on that play, he likely doesn't take that type of hit. Furthermore, he can play the whole game and then we can say just how good of a quarterback or not good of a quarterback Carson Wentz is come playoff time. Uh, Russell Wilson was Russell Wilson. That's all you can pretty much say there. I love the game that DK Metcalf had. He's shaking things up this year, and um, he has potential to really be a star in this league. Now, we'll keep the football tip rolling with some college football playoffs for our hot take number three. College football this year has been exciting to watch. A lot of people are upset Alabama will not be playing in the championship this year. They didn't even make it to the playoffs. This year's matchup features the Tigers of Clemson University and the Tigers of LSU, both with great quarterbacks in Trevor Lawrence and Joe Burrow, and really two great offenses as a whole. Many people looked for LSU's matchup with OU a few weeks ago to be a high-scoring game, and as I tried to tell people, OU ain't really built like that. I saw how they struggled with Baylor, and I was not convinced that they were going to hang tight with LSU. Yes, they have a great quarterback in Jalen Hurts. I liked Hurts as a football player at Alabama, although I saw him to be more of a running back than a quarterback there. So it's really interesting to see how different systems can change things for players and or highlight their true potential. OU has an awesome wide receiver in C.D. Lamb. Dude is gonna go pro and he's gonna shake things up in the NFL. But I feel people really underestimated LSU's defense for that matchup. Furthermore, I was right with that assumption as OU got obliterated. Now, as LSU gets ready to face Clemson, things will be different. Clemson's the reigning champs, and they've shown why they deserve to be there. Um, I look for this game to be a high-scoring game, and I'm going to give the edge to LSU. It's kind of tough to, to really pick from these two. These really are truly the, uh, the two best teams out right now in college football. I was interested in knowing who you all feel wins this game, but also who you feel is the better quarterback. So here's some hot takes from some hot take season listeners. Uh, Twitter, we got R. Gordon. He has Clemson winning it all, and based on Lawrence having been to the dance before, he likes Lawrence better. An anonymous tweeter is taking Burrow as the better of the two quarterbacks. He didn't say who he feels is going to win the game, But I'm willing to bet he's rolling with LSU. Tyson talks from YouTube. It's taking Clemson to win it all. Tyson says, until he finally loses, I gotta go with the kid Trevor Lawrence and them boys at Clemson. Tyson likes Lawrence as the better QB, saying he has been more consistent. But Burrow may have more upside. At It's chemo on Twitter, has LSU winning the championship and feels Burrow is the better quarterback. He says, he just has it in my opinion. Lawrence is a baller too, but comes off as a system guy to me. Burrow just looks like a playmaker. I'll have to agree with you there, Keem. Burrow does seem like a playmaker, but as for me right now, I'm still unsure which one I would take um, as the better quarterback. I do still see LSU prevailing on top in this matchup. Should be an interesting matchup to say the least. Uh, I'll be back on the next episode with how that game turned out. As for now, we'll go on to some NBA hoops talk with uh, hot take number four. The NBA seems to be a bit more balanced these days when LeBron went out West for a change. Uh, The Dallas Mavericks aren't just looking like a sleeper team. They're actually the fifth seed right now in the West and they look like they'll be making some noise come playoff time if they can learn how to close out close games. The Mavs have endured some rough seasons since winning the organization's first NBA title in 2011, and they recently said farewell to the franchise's greatest player ever, Dirk Nowitzki, as he retired. With a season of tanking to get first-round pick Luka Doncic and a huge trade to acquire big man Kristaps Porzingis, the Mavs just may have the franchise pieces they need to bring some more hardware to Dallas. Seems like the only thing the duo is missing is a Jason Terry-esque shooter, somebody with some killer instinct to knock down big shots in big moments where KP or Luka are not. Um, They also need a big man in the center, the likes of Tyson Chandler in 2011. They need that third role player. I can admit, I didn't see the vision at first with tanking or that trade for Chris Stapps because the Mavs aren't really known for developing players. The thing that always comes to mind for me is how they didn't want to wait to develop Devin Harris. Instead, they sent him to the Utah Jazz and then eventually they brought him back. The Mavs have been drafting players who need development, but they don't really spend time developing players. It's always, be ready right now to win right now in Dallas. And I don't feel that's the formula to build a dynasty like the San Antonio Spurs or the Golden State Warriors. Luckily, Luca was ready right now, and so was Dennis Smith Jr., but making them coexist was where the struggle came in. With trading for Chris Stapps, my concern was his health, and honestly, some nights I still wonder about it. At the moment, it seems to still be working in favor for the Mavs. I can see them advancing past the first round of playoffs. Not to be biased, but I just have that feeling. We'll see how they look after the All-Star break. Again, I do see the Mavs making the playoffs this year, um, possibly being that sleeper team. Um, It's just going to depend on if they can get some role players to complement Luca and KP. Longtime Mavs fan, who goes by Momo, offers his take on the season, saying, The Mavs have one of the hottest teams in the first half of the season, which didn't even come close to the hype before the season started. Being at fourth in a stacked Western Conference, I can see them battling for 6th or 8th when it's all said and done. In the playoffs, it's a different type of basketball. And with everyone who's experienced that breed of hoops, it's fairly new to the players that we have. That's where coaching comes in, and Carlisle should be in talks with the best of the best, in my opinion. Mavs have been lacking a true big man at center for years. Even with the addition of DeAndre Jordan a few years back, we lacked that heavily. Still lacking depth there, too. Too many guards and not enough forwards. Mavs will make the first round of playoffs uh, go seven rounds despite who they play. But lack of experience, I can say they're seeing a first round exit. I'm with you on that, Momo. The Mavs definitely need a big man in the paint. They have not had a solid big man since letting Tyson Chandler get away. They may have had a chance at repeating after 2011 had they kept Chandler. But I get it, you can't always keep a championship team together after winning a championship. I see them taking the first round to seven games too, despite the opponent. And for now, I want to believe that they'll make it out of that series alive. And not to keep dwelling on the past, but nobody saw Carlisle taking that 2011 team to the finals. Everybody was sleep on Dallas that year. So again, grab some role players, close out close games. Oh wait, and another thing, get Seth Curry going. The other night, the Mavs lost a close one in Denver, not in Denver, but to Denver. Um, and Dorian Finney-Smith was undecided if he wanted to take the last shot or if he was going to pass the ball before time expired. If Luka or KP wasn't going to take that last shot, you have to give Seth Curry a chance at it. He was fairly open in the right corner, for the three, to win the game, you have to let your shooters shoot. But alright, this has been episode one of Hot take Season, with yours truly, me or me. I look forward to bringing you all more facts and opinions, hearing what your takes are, and airing some of them. Please remember to like, comment, subscribe, and share. Send those hot takes to me if you'd like to be a part of the show. Remember, these hot takes are rated E for everybody. Until next time, y'all be blessed.